William Ernest Henley. Y'all probably don't know that name, but uh, he's a poet that lived about 100 years ago. And uh, he penned a poem a long time ago called Inviticus. Let me read some of that to you this morning. I thank, I thank, excuse me, it's my southern accent. I thank whatever gods may be for my inconquerable soul. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody, but I will not bow. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my life. I am the captain of my soul. You know, one of the things that is most endearing about us as people is that it seems to be we have this unconquerable spirit. You know, when somebody tells us you can't do it, we say, I'm going to do it anyway. And we pull ourselves up our bootstraps and we just go, for, go at it with all, all of our might. And the thing that is good about us is also the thing that is really awful about us. Because many times we bring that attitude in our relationship with God and we say, you know what, God, I'm going to do it my way. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I am not looking forward to preaching this sermon. <laughs> Here's honesty for you. I read the past two chapters of the book of James about 30 times on Monday, trying to get God and arguing with him to make me preach something else. All right? Because this is not going to be a really fun message. But it is in the Bible, so I'm going to preach it and teach it. So, But I, I think many times with our relationship with God and even with our relationship with others, we want what we want, when we want it, and how we want it, right? I mean, think about it. We do. We are just really selfish people. We want it our way. I mean, isn't that Burger King slogan? And you can have it your way? Well, we believe it. I want it my way. And I think many times, many of us act like a two-year-old. How many of y'all have two-year-olds? Anyone? How many of y'all have taken up drinking? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. I have a two-year-old. His name is Bing. I'm going to show you a picture. Uh, oh. He looks like his daddy, don't he? Anyway, uh, a, a lady in our community group, Amanda, ended up taking this picture, and uh, she did a great job. But just, I mean, his name is Bing. Bingham Simeon is his name, and he turned two in August. And this little dude is awesome. I love hanging out with this dude. Um, he's so much fun. You know, we spent this, this past week together putting up the Christmas tree and decorating. We just had a great, great time, and it's just, it's neat. He loves singing. He just, he sings all the time. Uh, he loves singing the songs that we sing. Um, uh, he sings Freedom is Here. And some of y'all know that song. He sings uh, um, uh, You Never Let Go. And I mean, he just loves singing those songs. And he just, he's just, he's just awesome. Except the times when he's not awesome. <laughs> Except the times when he wants it his way. You know what I mean? He's not that great. In fact, some people call this stage of life, you know what they call it? 
the terrible twos. Watch this video. You'll know exactly the reason why they call it that. Do you want a fence? No. Do you want a turkey sandwich? No. Do you want a pillow? No. <laughs> Do you want some ice cream? No. I don't want a fence. I don't want a fence. Are you ready, Carter? No. What's the matter? Why are you so upset? You know, that second one, the one that, was, uh, that did all the drama for his mama, he didn't want his picture taken. I don't know if you could understand that. I mean, he was throwing such a hissy cow to not get his picture taken. You know, kids are great, especially two-year-olds, until they're not great. You know, the thing is, Bing, he has, we have this kitchen cabinet up high in our kitchen that we put all of our candy in. And uh, all the Halloween candy, the Easter candy, the Valentine's candy we get, we put it up there so the kids can't get it. And uh, uh, this dude loves M&Ms. So uh, we were, I was going over to get a pot to, to do some stuff this past week, to, you know, cook some stuff because, you know, I'm a good cook. It wasn't that funny. Anyway, anyway uh, and I, he saw me going towards the, the pots, and right up above was where the candy, and he, he, he perks up. M&M's? And I'm like, no, daddy's not getting candy. I'm getting a pot. No, I'll have M&M's. I'll have it now. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're not going to do M&M's. No, M&M's. You know, that's how he is. And the thing is, I mean, he's just that way. He's going to, he wants... He wants candy all the time, you know. And I would be a bad parent to always give in to his needs and to give him what he wants all the time. I mean, a lot of times he'll throw a fit and I'll say, stop acting like a two-year-old. But you know what? He's two years old. And that's what he's supposed to act like, right? Now, here's the problem. It's okay for a two-year-old to act like a two-year-old, right? Because they're... Two years old. Thanks for coming to one church. See ya. That <laughs> was deep. Here's the problem. Is when Bing's mama and Bing's daddy act like two-year-olds. See, that's, that's the issue we get into. Because if the truth be told, all of us, including me, we act like two-year-olds because we want it our way. We're selfish. We want what we want. In fact, listen to what James chapter 4, verses 1 and 3, 1 through 3, listen to how it says in the message. It's really interesting. It says, where do you think all of these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way. And fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to. You're spoiled children, each wanting your own way. 
All of us tend to act like two-year-olds. All of us have a two-year-old living inside of us because we want what we want. I'll give you an example. Probably give you six. All right. <clears throat> I am laying in bed next to my wife, and um, she has the remote. She has it on TLC. Shoot me. She has it on HGTV. Shoot me twice. And I mean, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up our bedroom doors and let you peer inside. You know, there are some times that I, the moves, what I would like to put the moves on, and she will be watching 18 kids and counting. <clears throat> She'll be watching the Duggars. We'll see John and Kate fighting. You know, we'll see some other people, you know, you know, she likes going on TLC and, you know, they have these people with the tree root legs and, you know, people who born with, you know, the heart on the outside and, you know, and, and, I, and you know, and I, I'm thinking, I, you know, I could be Romeo and I could not be able to make that transition. You know what I mean? Hey, baby, how you doing? Hush, they're putting the heart back in. Okay, now... The truth be told, I want the remote because I would want to watch other things. I would want to watch the History Channel because that's the type of dude I am. I would want to watch uh, G4, see what new PlayStation games come out. I want the remote, and a lot of times we will fight because she wants to watch her shows. I want to watch my movies, all right? I like watching stuff that blows up because I'm godly. All right. I like, you know, all the stuff. I love all that stuff. All right. Kim, she wants to watch the thorn birds. Y'all ever seen the thorn birds? Have you ever heard of it? Yeah, that's my point. All right. <laughs> she wants to watch a, you know, a chick flick. And I like chick flicks. They're all right. But I want to watch the movies that I want. She wants to watch the movies that she wants. I'll, I'll turn on the iPod. All right. And I will turn on my music. But she wants to hear. Her music. Now, you, do you see a common pattern here? You see, the pattern in my home is probably the same pattern in your home because you want what you want, when you want it, and how you want it. And your spouse wants what they want, when they want it, and how they want it. All of us act like two-year-olds. Back to verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? In fact, you can put in there, what is causing the quarrels and fights in your marriage? All right? In your family, with your children, uh, when you go to work, you, what, whatever the scenario that's causing you to bump heads with somebody, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil? And what's that next word? We need to say that all together desires. I want you to remember that word because we're going to see that word a lot this morning. They come from the evil desires that war within you. It's all about you. When we, we have this battle going on in, inside of us, all of us. And some people think that once they become a Christian that it's all happy. And they hear birds and little fat angels called cherubs singing, you know, and flapping, you know, and, and all that. But you know what? When you become a Christian, it starts getting harder. 
Because now you just kind of gave in to all that junk that's inside of you before you began your relationship with God. Now that you've begun your relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you're, you got this stuff going on inside of you that you'd like, I want to do this and I want to do that. And even Paul said in Romans chapter 7, I want to do the right thing, but I end up doing the wrong thing. And I, I don't want to do the wrong thing and I end up doing, I, you know, and, and he's just, he's conflicted. And we're all conflicted. There's a war being fought. Wasn't, what is caused? the quarrels and fights among you don't they come from the evil desires that war within you here's the thing when you choose and when i choose my way or your way over god's way it will always produce conflict do you know that when you choose to go your way and to do your thing apart from what god wants you to do it will always produce conflict always God sees life from a totally different perspective than you and I see life. And we think, you know what, this is the most, this is the thing, this is the choice I need to make because this is the most rational one. This is going to put me ahead. It's going to get me what is coming to me. It's going to get me what's coming. I'm going to get my raise and I'm going to be, but God's going, no. You can go that direction, but that's not the direction I want you to go. Many times, it's not the direction he wants us to go. And and it's the road that looks like it's the big one, the broad one. Even Jesus said, it's those broad roads that always lead to death. It's the narrow road that life is found. He says in Isaiah 55, 8, 9, this is a great verse. This is God talking. He says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Now, let me just say that I can imagine a lot. Can y'all imagine a lot? I can imagine all kinds of great stuff in my life. I mean, you, you, I just sat back and maybe you did that on Thursday. After you ate your turkey and you cleaned the carcass, right? And you're sitting back and you're rubbing your tummy. And you're going, you know, this could happen in my life. And, you know, next year it can be this way. And I can think of a lot of stuff I can imagine. But look at this. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God's viewpoint, God's perspective, his plans, his thoughts, his dreams for your life and my life are totally different than ours. They're different and they're better. He says, just as, just as high as the heavens are above the earth. How high does the heaven go above the earth? High. All right. How different are God's thoughts than ours? Vastly different. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts because he, stay, he sees things so high, he sees a different perspective. He, see, he doesn't see it the way we see it. He's so high, he can see it something differently. Reminds me of marching in a parade. All right? How many of y'all watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? Love watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Love it. One of these days, I want, how many of y'all have been to New York to see it? Oh, I envy you. All right, man, I do. I want to go there one day. You know, I'm a musician, and I played, I kind of tried counting them up, in probably about 30 parades. And um, when I am marching in a parade, it's kind of, you only see one perspective. You only see the float in front of you. You really don't get to see the parade. You are marching in the parade, so I'm marching, 
And I see the float in front of me, and I may get to see the float behind me, but that's pretty much it. I don't see where it begins. I don't see where it ends because I'm in it. It's like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. The the, the parade starts on 77th Avenue by Central Park. And it's going through Times Square. It makes a turn on 7th Avenue. And then it goes to 42nd Street. And then it makes a turn again. And it ends at 34th Street. Now, if you're in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, you don't know. You don't know when it started. You don't really know when it ended because you're in it. You can't see the beginning and the end. But imagine if you saw the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade from the Goodyear blimp. You're so high, you have a different perspective. You can see where it begins. You can also see where it ends. You can see where they make a turn here and where they're going faster here. You're so high, you see it from a different perspective. God's so high in his holiness. He's so high up that he sees your life from beginning to end. He sees that it made you made a, a, a left turn when, when your parents got divorced. And you just started kind of closing that door on God. He saw when you made that left turn again when you went to college and you made that bad choice. He, he saw when you, when you lost your job and you found out you were pregnant with your firstborn. And he, he, he saw that left turn again. And he even used that left turn to bring you back to himself. So that now you don't know what's really what's in front of you. You know what's behind you because you've seen it. But you, we're just kind of, time is just, you, you, you can't go forward, like skip ahead. You can always look back, but you really can't go back. It's linear. But God sees the whole thing because he's so high in his holiness. He's got a different perspective than you and me. And it's because of that that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. That's what he's saying. His viewpoint is vastly different. Our big idea today is this. Conflict comes when we act independently from God and follow his, follow our own desires. Let's all say that together because I messed that up. Ready? Conflict comes when we act independently from God and follow our own desires. When we say, you know what, I'm going to take this shortcut. Okay, if I'm on 77th, I'm going to take a shortcut and I'm going to do over there. How many of y'all live with a spouse who likes taking shortcuts when y'all are traveling? How many of y'all get lost a lot? Okay, cool. Yeah, pretty much. I I love my father. I don't think he's in here. Uh, He may be working babies. He will take some shortcuts. That's the longest shortcut I've ever been on. Okay? I don't mind confessing his sins because he ain't here. All right? I ain't going to tell you about my driving. But we will take... He doesn't like standing still, does he? He, if he's at a light and he's frustrated, he's going to take a left even though where he really wants to go is go right. Right? He will go the opposite way as long as he's moving. And that's how many of us are when it comes to God. God said, listen, I want you to wait on my timing. No, I want it my way. And I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to go left, but I want to take you right. It doesn't matter. I'm going to go my way. And so many times we will take shortcuts that's trying to get us there quicker. And shortcuts always take 
longer. You know what the definition of sin is? Sin, the definition of sin is insisting on going our own way. Not God's way, but our own way. Just like a two-year-old, we think that our way is better. Our, our, that our way is the only way. You see, when we choose our ways over God's ways and we try to take sh- shortcuts, it never works for us. When we try to take a shortcut for intimacy and we, we look at pornography instead of doing the hard thing of doing building those bridges towards intimacy with our spouse, we're taking a shortcut. And it always is a dead end. Anytime. We try to take a shortcut in our finances and say, you know what, we're, you know what? we're, gonna, we're not going to give to God this month. Um, we're going to get ours and we've got to pay our bills. You know what, or, you know what? we're going to just, you know, I know God says for us to save. We're just going to go ahead and we're going to blow it all. Shortcuts when it comes to finances never work. There's always a detour. We try to take a shortcut in our job and say, you know what, if we quit our job, or maybe we can maybe push this up and I can get up higher quicker, they never work. They never do because it's not in God's timing. Conflict comes when we act independently from God and follow our own own desires. Because God's ways are better. Uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, says this: "For I know the plans I have for you," says the Lord. Do you all know God has a plan for your life? Some of you are thinking, "I don't think He does. He doesn't really care about me." No, He intimately cares about you. I know the plans I have for you. He has plans for you. Now, you can either do his plans or you can do your own. Now, let's, let's look at his plan. They, they are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. That's his plans for you. Now, our plans for us will always lead in disaster. Always. Because we can't see the end. We're in, we're in, we're right in the middle of it. And God's saying, listen, I know this looks bad that you lost your job, but you need to know that company's not going to be around in six months. And when, if you would have stayed there, and then six months later, everybody would have been laid off. You now have a job because you got a six-month head start. You trust me. My plans are for your good and for my glory. You trust me. Shortcuts never work. Shortcuts always take us farther away than we ever want to go and longer than we ever wanted to be. Go back to James 4.1. The evil desires within you. Where do those evil desires, where does our plans take us? Look, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Where do our desires ultimately end up? Murder, jealousy, fights, divorce, stealing. You see, following our desires always leads us to places we never wanted to go and doing things that we never wanted to do. Always. Our desires will ultimately end us up more isolated, more alone, more in bondage, more unhappy than we ever would be if we followed God's plans. Verse 2. You want what you don't have, but you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous, but you can't get it, so you fight and you rage war. He says our desires, that two-year-old within us, we want things... And we don't even ask God. Look at what it says. I, this, I think that's amazing. 
I love what the Bible says in 117. It says, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father who made the sun, moon, and the stars. You know, God, as a parent, loves to give us gifts. Did you know that? For those who are parents, I love giving gifts to my kids. My son Jed, on Thursday, um, Thanksgiving Day, he was running. We were hanging out with our, our family, and he hit a, a, a stationary car with his head. Put a, maybe a small dent in the car, but man, put a big old honking dent in his head. Got big bruise, or, you know, down him. And man, I just, I felt bad for the little dude. Well, I had a Christmas gift that I had been waiting to give him. I said, ah, I'm going to give it to him now because I love making him happy. As a parent, I'm sure you like doing the same thing. Do you know God likes doing the same thing? He likes giving gifts to his children. But that means we got to stop insisting on getting those gifts our way and ask it to give God his way. We have to pray and ask him, but many of us would rather fight God and get what we really don't want and really doesn't truly satisfy. God is saying, have you ever tried stop fighting me for it and just asking me? Stop insisting on fighting me for it and just ask me. Stop trying to satisfy your desire apart from me and start with me. Stop trying to work independently from me and start working with me. I mean, we think if, we're, if this is really going to happen, then I'm going to have to make it happen. And God's saying, you don't have faith because that's the point of James. Now, he says, ask. And then verse 3. Some of y'all have been asking God for a lot of things for years and he hadn't given it to you. Why? Let's look at it. Verse 3. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what you... Now, what's that next word? We've seen that word before, hadn't we? It's almost like God has a point. All right? He's saying this. God is saying the first problem is that you don't even ask me. You just, you just want it, and you try to go out and get it. But some of you finally do come and ask me, but you're only asking because you want what you want. You're going through your list. God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that. And God's going, time out. All right? You're just wanting, you're wanting this stuff from me. You really don't want me. Everything we ask is only related to what you want for you or I want for me. Your desires, your hopes, your dreams, your thoughts. And we act independent from God. The question on our floor, and some of y'all, I know some of we've talked about, we've not talked about prayer here a lot because we've done some of these other things, but not like a specific thing on prayer. But this is going to revolutionize your prayer life, what we're getting ready to teach you about. And it's even going to revolutionize your answer life. Listen to it. When you are praying something, don't just treat God like he's a Santa Claus in the sky. Don't treat God like he's a genie that if you rub him the right way, he's going to give you what you want. Don't treat God like a vending machine. If I say the Lord's Prayer here and I kick into Psalm 23rd, you know, then I'll get the vending machine of God. I'll get this. I'll get this new car. No. God says, I don't want to give you stuff that leaves me out. You may pray and ask him, but he's still not received because you're asking, you're asking it only to turn your own desires on. Here's a great rule of thumb when you're praying and these four questions. It says this, how will God benefit what you're asking him? What's he going to get out of the deal? What will the Lord get uh, if, you, if he gives you what you're asking for, how will he be better off? 
How will his program be further? You see, you're asking for the new car. You're asking for the new house. What if God gives you the new house? Are you going to use it for his benefit? For his purposes? Or are you going to do it so that you can now keep up with the Joneses? If you ask for that new car or boat or raise or whatever, how is he going to get his out of it? It's like my son Bing. He can, he can ask for candy all day long. I would be a bad parent if I gave him candy all day long, wouldn't I? Wouldn't I? Yes. You see, we as children, we ask God many times for stuff, and God says, listen, that's not going to benefit you. If I give you everything that you want, then you're not going to, it's, it's gonna, not going to go well for you. You've got to trust me. The greatest tragedy I think of today is so little of our prayers have anything to do with God and more to do with the mess that we want. We're independent from God. You know, God, even Jesus prays, says, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. God, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, right? And, and, I mean, that's the way Jesus prayed, but we don't pray that way. God, give me. Give me what I want. But you're not, you're not, if you give it to me, you're not going to use it. It's mine. I'm going to do it. And I think so many times we keep compounding the problem, trying to get God to give us stuff that he's not involved in. He's not involved and we act independently from him. I think if you, we change our prayer life and ask these four questions, then God is going to change our answer life. And so many of you, when you pray to God, you say, God, I want this. I want to marry him. Right? And God said, don't do it. And you did it anyway. And now... Ten years later, you're regretting it. Because God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are higher than your ways. But many times we will fight God saying, give me what I want. Look at now verse 3. Verses 1 through 3. What has been the problem of verses 1 through 3? The most repeated word in the New Living Translation is you. It's repeated 15 times in three verses. That's amazing. So who do you think the problem is? You, right? We all are the problem. That's what he's saying. If you insist on going your own way and act independently from God, you're going to experience conflict. That's our big idea. Now, how do we grow up? How do we grow up two-year-olds? How do, if we all have this issue in, in, inside us, what's going to happen? Well, there's a change in verse 6. It begins with the word but. I love that. It says, but he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil. Look at that next word. The same word. What does it say? Evil what? Yeah. See, we're the problem. It's what we want. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but favors the humble. So humble and submit yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. God's saying, you know what, if you keep on going your own way, if you come back, I will always give you grace. I will always give you grace. Always. But you've got to be in the proper position to be able to receive grace. And I think he gives us some very clear steps. He says, first, I want you to humble and submit yourselves before God. Humble and submit yourselves before God. The proper alignment is knowing who God is and knowing where, who we are and where we fall in that. When Bing was born, as well as my other two kids, they were born as the center of their universe. You know what I mean? 
When they born, they came out crying. And they wanted food. And they wanted it when they wanted it. In fact, Amanda, all right, who took those wonderful pictures, she has a four-month-old, Chloe. And Chloe is going to wake up in the middle of the night because she wants food. Now, Chloe don't care about Amanda that she hadn't had no sleep, right? I mean, Chloe didn't say, you know what, I, maybe I should wait because mommy needs some sleep. Mommy needs some mommy time, right? They don't do that. And see, Bing is the same way. Sometimes he still wakes up in the middle of the night. It makes me want to kick a cat. That's the reason I don't own cats, all right? So I'm telling you, I, you just get frustrated, right? Because you're like, I would, just, I would be so much better off if I could just sleep, right? But Bing wants what, wants what Bing wants. And we've had to train Bing over these past two years and through the rest of his life that he is not the center of the universe, He doesn't get what he wants when he wants it. That he is a part of a bigger family unit. That mom and dad were around before he ever got here, and we were doing quite well, thank you. And mom and dad will be together once you get out of the house at 18 and we change the locks. Now, here's the thing. You, You are not the center of this family. You are not. You have to fit in to our family. And that's what we're having to train being. It says submit. That word submit is a military term. How many of y'all are military? All right. You know what it means? It says this, to know the rank. That's literally what that word submit means. How many of y'all know y'all's rank? It's kind of a no-brainer, right? Not only do you know your rank, but when you see people, you better know their rank, right? Because if they're higher than you, what are you supposed to do? Salute, Right? Because you got to know the rank. And God's saying, you got to know where I am, where God is in this scenario. And you got to know where I am, where you are. And that is that proper alignment. So, submit yourself. And then it says, resist the devil. I don't know about you, but I've been around a lot of Christians that they kept on praying against the devil. And it's devil this and devil this. The devil, he's an enemy of us. And there is a real spiritual world that is an enemy of us. But my biggest problem is usually not the devil. It's usually moi. You know what I mean? But it says if we, if we submit and humble ourselves toward God and we resist the devil, that he will flee from you. I think the reason why so many times we get tripped up and we keep on, can't get out of this bad habit and this cycle of sin is because we don't submit to God first. We just keep on resisting the devil. And that doesn't work that way. you got to submit to God first and then you can resist the devil. He's, it's like, God's like saying, okay, i got the shield. You, you get under this shield with me, and then you're going to have enough ammunition to be able to fight off anybody else. It's like, um, I remember in Iowa, there was this kid who kept on picking on my son, Walt. And um, he was, you know, six, and he, he was picking on my son, so I wanted to beat his face in. That's not a godly pastoral attitude. I'm just going to say that. But it's just who I am, all right? Uh, you start messing with one of my children's, it's game on, bro. So I, we're going, and, and, and Walt says, that's the person. I said, oh, that person, that little shrimpy kid? All right. I says, Walt, you get behind me. You stay behind me. And I walked up to him. You, you, you picking on him? Don't ever do it again. I know where you live. Yeah. Anyway, I'm telling you, 
I will totally scare children. <laughs> I'm a godly pastor, aren't I? No, I'm just saying. You know what? You, you got problems. You get behind your daddy. You get behind your daddy. Because he is big enough and strong enough. He can resist the devil. And there's a promise. If you submit and resist, then devil will flee. And then third thing, last thing, is come close to God. Come close to God and God will come close to you. This past uh, Thanksgiving, after we ate the turkey and stuff, we always put up Christmas. And I love Christmas. And we're putting up the trees and we're doing all this garland and stuff. And I just absolutely love it. And my son Bing, he goes and gets a glass ornament. And I knew, oh, and I said, Bing, stop. Danger. Danger. And, uh, and he kind of looked at me and he started going. I said, no, stop. And he looked at me and he finally came to me. And when I said, Bingham, Simeon Edmondson, that's when you know you're really in trouble, right? So he came and I says, here, let me have that. And he, gave it to me. he says, ball. I says, this can break. The thing I think that God was showing me then is so many times God calls me, Chris, Chris, come to me. I'm going to go, I want to go put it on the tree. Danger. Come to me. And so many times our Heavenly Father says, you know, He calls us and He comes to us because we're in danger. Or He calls us and He comes to us just because He wants to love on us. He calls us and He wants us to come because He wants us to teach us something. But He says, come close to God and God will come close to you. As we close, I know I've been a little long-winded this morning. I apologize. Let me say this. Some of you... You have felt so far from God. Know this, that God, the Bible describes him as immovable. He doesn't move. He doesn't change. And if you were close to God and he doesn't change, then who changed? We did. We are the ones that walk away from God. He never walks away from us. Never. And God says, come to me. Come to me. You've been out of church for 10 years? Come to me. You got burned by your parents or by that pastor? You know, I'm sorry, but come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. Dear Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, for... This truth that you've taught us, Jesus. Lord, that we can have a relationship with you, but we have to be in proper alignment. Lord, we have to... We have to know our rank. We got to know that you're the four-star general, God, and we're the prophet. We have to stop acting like that we're the one in charge. We got to stop acting like that we are the CEO, that we have it all under control, that it's our thoughts, our plans, our hopes, our dreams. But Jesus, it's all about you. So many times, God, we live like we're the God of our story and we write everything for our glory. But Jesus, that's not how it goes. Lord, it's your word that says that you are the God of our story, and we have to fit into your plans, not try to cram you into our own. So Jesus, I thank you, even though this is not a message I wanted to preach, I know this is the message that you wanted spoken, because so many of us, we are isolated, alone, unhappy, in bondage. 
because we are choosing our own way and our way ends in disaster. But God is saying, I know the plans I have for you. I have a plan for you. It's a good plan. It's to give you peace. It's to give you hope. It's to give you forgiveness. But you have to fit into my plan. Stop doing your own thing. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand back up with us. You guys have a good morning. Awesome stuff. Well, um, yeah, we're going to receive our offering. We're going to sing one last song. We'll get you guys out of here. So uh, thanks for being here this morning, guys. It was great to see you.